Walk-off, the emergency pod is in the books from yesterday. Of course, there was news that Major League Baseball was close to getting back to work. Those reports were obviously a little bit off, and then we've just completely gone down a rabbit hole as we talk on Thursday, heading into the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And yo, Spader, I'm holding Kusher. He's Ryan Spader. Spader, the last time we talked about this actually was today. So yesterday when we were discussing this on the air, Said, oh, this is maybe it'll happen this weekend. Maybe it'll be ready. And if it is done this weekend, we're going to play baseball by July 19th. And since then, we have had uh, just a, a cluster of horrible things happen. Uh, Rob Manfred, of course, flies out to Tony Clark to meet with him. That wasn't the horrible thing. The horrible thing is uh, the two sides didn't realize what the other side wanted. I mean, this is typical baseball. Then Tony Clark has to come out and said, we never had. We never had a deal. And now there's reports coming out that Scott Boris is trying to undermine this whole thing. So, Spader, I just want to go to you, buddy. Get your thoughts on this. Let's dig in. We got a lot to talk about. Well, I know we addressed it on the last show, but just to recap, uh, I got a text from a player. I've gotten texts from several players. uh, But the overwhelming theme was Major League Baseball is asking us to give away our legal rights and give them an extra six a hundred million dollars in postseason money because you'd have six additional teams and they factor it as about a hundred million per and then only play 60 games during the regular season and um that individual said like you know that's not really progress and then i heard from somebody uh connected with the front office uh, very close to a um uh gm and owner uh that it's going to get done, and it's going to be between 68 and 74 games that they're just it's, – it's, it's going to be like pulling teeth, and um, it, it's going to be tough getting to the finish line. And so that's kind of where we stand right now. I, I do think it's going to get done. I think it's going to be done by the weekend, and I'm hoping baseball comes back on my 31st birthday. I'm not so sure it's going to get done this weekend now. As a matter of fact, I'm almost 100% sure because these guys met, what, early in the week on Monday? and no, they, they met, fi- on t- met on Tuesday. It was Tuesday? So they met on Tuesday. They had all day Wednesday to come up with a proposal. Then they gave the proposal on Thursday, and now they're going to bitch about it today. So you think what's going to happen is Friday there will be negotiations, and by Saturday they're going to have a deal? I... I- would put my confidence in a deal happening by Monday, end of day at, I'd say 75%. 75%. So that means what you think is the owners are going to come back with a number and then the players are probably going to reject that and come back with a number and then the owners will say fine. Uh, That's yeah. two more swaps. I, I uh, We'll see. I, I actually saw a... Um, 
a pretty funny tweet, and I generally hate the tweets where it's um, people comment on the uh, people. I say people, virgins comment on the fact that like sixty. They say sixty nine, and then everybody's like, nice. You know, like it's such a awful bit. Uh-huh. But I really enjoyed this tweet. I think it was from. Ah, it might have been from uh, Rachel Luba, who is the, um, uh, or maybe her show. She is the um, uh, agent for Trevor Bauer. And uh, it was something like, why don't we just settle in 69 games? We do 69 games and both parties are satisfied. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. And that's Bauer's agent. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate the the honesty of at least acknowledging that it's, still a sexual position and not just (laughs) not just something where you see it and you say oh nice you know there's something behind that number that's very fun and i hope everybody gets to experience before they die well you know what a 68 is right oh no what is it hold on hold on hold on Uh, i know i don't know 68 is where uh she gets you and you owe her one And for our lady listeners, it goes vice versa, too. Yes. That is terrific and (laughs) splendid. 68 is nice. (laughs) Yeah, you can say nice to 68. How about that? I'm all for it, buddy. I don't have to do any work. (laughs) All right. So listen, listen, listen. Let me get back here. As what we had is Major League Baseball comes out. They give their proposal. Manfred flies out, talks to Tony Clark Tuesday. Wednesday, there's all sorts of news that the sides are close. Then, you know, Manfred comes out, says we're not that close. Then there's the reports that neither side really understood what the other really meant. And here's what Tony Clark said. Two statements within one hour. He said, we delivered to Major League Baseball today a counterproposal based on a 70-game regular season, which among a number of issues includes expanded playoffs for 20 and 21. And we believe the offer represents the basis for an agreement on a resumption of play. But then... The report comes out that the owners are unhappy about that. And the owners want 60 games. And the whole thing was taken care of out in Arizona. This should have been done by now. And then Clark has to come out with something else. He goes, in my discussion with Rob in Arizona, we explored a potential pro rate of framework. But I made it clear repeatedly in that meeting, there were a number of significant issues with what he proposed. It is unequivocally false to suggest that any tentative agreement or other agreement was reached in that meeting. In conversations within the last 24 hours, Rob invited a counterproposal for more games that he'd take back to the owners. We submitted that counterproposal today. <sighs> so we just have to hope the owners cave here within the next day or two. I, I don't know. There must be a hard line, Spader, with the owners where they're either breaking even. or here, Maybe there's four tiers. They're going to make a little profit then they're going to break even and then they can lose a little bit money but it must be a big difference between 60 and 70 games where the gap is just ginormous so that's tony clark's side and again spader he just is saying we had some talks they weren't negotiations we didn't come to an agreement so we know that it was from the owner's side of things that said there was an agreement here's what rob manfred said 45 minutes after that last statement he goes we're at the same place we want to play 
We're doing everything we want to do, everything to play again. But here, this was the interesting one. I don't know what Tony and I were doing there when those two met for several hours going back and forth making trades if we weren't reaching an agreement. So Manfred was out there with Clark thinking he made an agreement. Tony Clark's thinking, no, this proposal stinks. What a clusterfuck. Uh, it's again, it's it's at a point where I think it's it's honestly it's like a dick measuring contest between mm-hmm. the two of them, and it's it's going to have to settle at some point. And I I just think the direction in which it's headed is that sixty-eight to seventy-four game window, and we're we're going to have baseball back, and we're going to have baseball back by my my birthday, and I say that again with. Um, about 75% confidence that it'll be done by Monday. And I base that just off the fact of what I'm hearing from other people, other players and people connected with the front offices. And I, I tend to think that they're probably not feeding me bullshit because I generally don't share the information that people you know, give me because this isn't, this isn't what I do for a living. So again, you think it's just back and forth posturing. I think this is a little more concerning today. And I've been right there with you. I think we're going to have baseball. I have been less optimistic on the date. I think if we're talking about this next week, then the chance of starting that week in June, uh, July 19th is not going to happen. There's no chance of it. And now we're cutting down less time before the NBA and the NHL start. And people can actually lose some focus. And the new viewers that you would have gotten from the NHL and from the NBA, even if it was just a few of them, those new viewers and all the publicity, you're not getting that. You're getting it for five days instead of what should have been, you know, 30 days. But it, it's if you get it for five, if you get it for 10, if you get it for 12, that's better than zero. Correct. You're still getting new eyes on baseball. Uh, I just did a show an hour ago, and the dude was telling me how he was watching NASCAR. He had never watched NASCAR in his life. And I'm like... Yeah, this makes perfect sense because people are completely out of stuff to watch. Like Netflix, forget about it. There's nothing left. Um, Amazon Prime, nothing left. I, I just watched or rewatched the uh, series Hannibal, and that ended five years ago. <laughs> That's all right. I was watching the 1979 ALCS. Between the Orioles and the Angels. So I've been watching so, some old baseball. I'd that, rather watch Hannibal. I, I, I actually have a, a, a quick funny story about that. So 1979 World Series was Orioles versus the uh, Pirates, right? Yes. Uh, and I believe one of them went up 3-1. to one, And then I, I can't remember. Who won it? Pirates won, right? Pirates won that year. Yeah. Yep. So the, um, the Orioles went up 3-1. to one. And I had a uh, professor at Penn State who said, you know, he was betting all of his money on the Orioles and ended up losing everything he had at the time. What? <laughs> betting on the Orioles to just close it out because he kept doubling down. And um, it, it, it's kind of ironic because he's, he's an economics professor. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's somebody that just should not bet then. If you're, yeah. That's just horrible. You can't lose everything on a on hoping your team wins one game. The odds couldn't have been that good either. They must have been horrible odds. The team was up three to one. Uh, I couldn't imagine. What that. a horrible professor. 
Hey, you think Boris is doing anything behind the scenes with this? Of course, but so is everybody else. And as I've said many times, I think there's just a mass manipulation. Of the fact that the biggest player in all of this is social media. And it's the unsung player, right? Is the fact that people are on Twitter and people are on Facebook and they're either shitting on the owners or shitting on the, um, the players. And they're both trying to play that against each other and um i i honestly like if this was like 1995 i I think it would be done already really because you didn't see what happened in 1994 and 90 there's no way that would have been there's no way man i i I no way. I picked 95, not because of the year of the strike. I just the fact. Oh, that, right, well, put, yeah, it wouldn't happen that year. Then put it in 1999. Okay, uh, 1999, fine. That's uh, I can buy that. There's just sometimes it hits a level. Re- and really, social media just changed everything. It's changed democracy a lot, too, but I'm not going to go down that wormhole right now. Oh, I, I would love to. I know you would. I know you would. It's uh, the walk-off. We're not walking off from democracy. We're walking off from baseball. So, so I, yeah. I, I got one more for you. Speaking of walking off, I actually um, had the first ever interview request that I declined for reason other than it just didn't fit my schedule. Mm-hmm. And it was with um, Stu Bergmeier. I think I, I, I may have texted you about it. He does a show called Stu Does America, and um, it's on Blaze TV, which is considered a... Um, I'm not even going to get into it, but one <laughs> one far side of politics. And um, I talked to some people, uh, you included, I believe, and uh, it just it's unfortunate because we're at this juncture where in this country it's one side versus the other. And if you go on a show, even if it's to talk about baseball, it could make you uh, associate it with one side or the other. And uh, I, 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 I had the decline. I you know, wasn't thrilled about it because I, I try to always say yes. Well, I told you I had to de- decline Nancy Grace because my uh, girlfriend at the time thought it was a trap. <laughs> she was probably going to burn you for the uh, Clinton Portis stuff. Yeah, the, that's uh, exactly with the, what it, with, with the women in the locker room. <laughs> you know what? All these years now that I think about it. All these years later, now that I think about it, I would not be surprised if my ex-co-host set me up with Nancy Grace to try and get killed. Well, I didn't fall for it, but that's good. It's good that you uh, you get you got to protect your image. You can't be going on things. I didn't even know what the network was you were talking about, so um, I think you're going to be just fine. Let's move on to some Spader stats. You ready for that? You ready for your intro? Let's uh, let's do it. But bef- before we do, right? It's this is going to be off the cuff. I don't even know what players we're going to be talking. Oh about. yeah, yeah. This is a special one. So here's the intro. Now it's time for Speeder Stats. Stats. <laughs> yeah. So before the show, we were talking about all this labor stuff, and I was like, "What do you want to do for Spader Stats?" And you just brought something up with Dwight Gooden. He said, "Why don't you just pull some names out?" Here we go. This is off the top of my head. I'm going to give you four of the starting pitchers from the 1986 New York Mets staff. The three guys that were behind Dwight Gooden, too. Okay? Hold on. Well, we got to do Gooden, Gooden first. Right? Got to do Gooden, but I'm also giving you three other guys from that staff. Oh, boy. All right, Dwight Gooden, give me some Spader stats. So, Gooden, um, he's the only player in history to have consecutive 16 strikeout games. He did so on September 12th and September 17th. 
1984. And then almost a year later, exactly, uh, September 6th and September 11th, 1985, he had back-to-back games in which he threw nine shutout innings, which would typically result in the pitcher having a complete game shutout. But he didn't win either one of those games because the Mets couldn't hit for him. And uh, the Mets, in fact, were only one and one in, uh, in extra innings, and he factored in neither decision, despite throwing nine shutout innings in both games. Might not say it in the stats, but that 1985 season was the best season I ever saw at any pitcher. Doc Gooden's 24 and four and a 154. That was dominating. And that was his rookie year you were just talking about. It should have been 26 and four. Nine shutout innings, you win yeah. a ball game. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I mean, didn't Marichal and Spawn go like 15 or 16 innings? A couple that, times. <laughs> which could be the greatest pitch game of all time. Uh, Sad part is I've actually talked to Marichal about this multiple times, and I can't remember how many damn innings it was. It's, so, actually, uh, Walter Johnson once threw a, an 18-inning complete game shutout. What? Wow. 18 inning. How many pitches? It wasn't. They didn't, they didn't time, do pitches back then. Yeah, they didn't care. It was, was 16 innings. 16, <laughs> 16 innings. Marichal outdual span. You imagine that? Good I actually, God. Um, so it, it, and, and now we're going down a wormhole, but that's all right. Uh, uh, Spawn, um, I'm, I'm friendly with a guy who was a really good friend of his, and he's actually given me a couple of um, spawns, like you know, uh, memorabilia things and stuff. He's been really kind. Uh, I've used several of them for um, the annual fundraiser I do for the Semper Five Fund, and um, he's told me some stories about Spawn that you wouldn't believe. Like Spawn, he, that man saw war, real war. <laughs> Like un- not wins above replacement, legitimate World War Two, and like saw action, and you know he was. Uh, it, it affected him. It it affected him a, a great deal, and yet he still managed to go on and win. I believe three hundred sixty three games still to this day, the um, greatest winning left handed pitcher in history. Yep, one of my favorites of all time. Probably the my favorite player I ever met. But real quick, that sixteen inning game. Are you familiar with the game? Off the top of my head, no. Okay, I'm so sure I tweeted about it. Or yeah, something. you probably have. So Juan Marichal throws 16 shutout innings, eight hits, four walks, 10 Ks. He gets the win. Spawn threw 15 in a third shutout innings, gives up a run in the 16th. He also pitched 15 in the third innings and struck out just two batters. <laughs> That's kind of ridiculous because he was a strikeout pitcher, like, considered one anyway. Oh, how amazing is that, though? That you, you pitched into the 16th. You guys go scoreless into the 16th inning. And they ended up doing that. And, yeah, Spawn was a big strikeout pitcher. Now, he no, pitched he, for a really long time, too. That was toward the end of his career, Spader. He only played two years after that. You, you know who would have um, two strikeouts in a 16-inning game? Greg Maddox? No, me. Oh, <laughs> you, <laughs> maybe in a game played in the 60s. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's the truth. Okay, so that's the Doc Gooden stat. We went down the wormhole and got into Warren Spahn and Juan Marichal. Okay, the next guy, Bobby Ojeda. OJ. 
EDA, Bob Ojeda, who led the Mets in wins in, in 1986. He was 18 and six. And that's how we judged pitchers back then by wins and ERA and a little bit of strikeouts. So, of course, the very first name you pick is one I don't have a single statistic for <laughs> in my, uh, my database here. But uh, looking at his page, he was actually pretty, pretty underrated. 1986 Mets. And it, it's funny that he went from the Red Sox in 85 to the Mets and then mm-hmm. met, met his old mates in the um, uh, World Series. And when he was with the Red Sox at 85, at 27 years old, he was just 9-11 and 11 with a 4.0 ERA. And uh, to adjust that for the um, era, that's 7% above league average. Then you go to 1986, he was 18-5 and five with the Mets, led the league in winning percentage, had a 2.57 ERA, and his... Um, adjusted ERA was 40% above league average. Uh, however, after that, uh, most, of his, um, most of his seasons were pretty mediocre. But that 1986 season really stands out for him. He finished fourth in Cy Young uh, Award and potentially could have even finished higher with um, you know, a, more, uh, a more modern voter. He was their staff ace. He was better than Gooden that year, and Gooden take, took a step back. He had drug issues in 86 drug and alcohol and I mean his hair was a disaster he had Jerry Curl everything was just a mess about Doc Gooden in 86 and he still had some pretty damn good numbers but Ojeda also in the playoffs he was amazing he had four starts 2-3-3 ERA I mean, <laughs> now only 15 K's in 27 innings but again back then you didn't have to live on a strikeout you, all you had to do was guys make a contact they weren't quite as strong they're hitting you know singles he had spray hitters batting first and second and seventh and eighth and a pitcher hitting ninth back. There were lineups in the playoffs, Spader, where you might have had just four above-average hitters. That's just how it went in, this, in the 80s, at least in the early 80s. If you, if you took 80 to, like, 86, because 87 was a rabbit ball, if you took those years, you will have playoff teams with just garbage lineups outside of maybe two, three, and four, maybe five. Uh, look at the... Um... What is it? The nineteen, I want to say the nineteen eighty Royals. Yeah, because they lost the Phillies. They had what? George Brett, Willie Wilson. I, I don't know what they had outside of that. Hal McRae, maybe. Yeah, McRae was a good ball player. And that was about it. He, yeah, he's among, he's among the um, Hal and I can't remember what his son's name is, but they're among the uh, father son duo who was sh- struck out by um, Nolan Ryan. Ooh! All right, here's the next one. Ron Darling. I knew this one was coming. So Darling actually had, uh, to the start of his career, he was, you know, potentially looking like he could make a Hall of Fame career. His rookie season, he only pitched five games, uh, had a 2.8 ERA, uh, a 1-3 win-loss record. As we know now, that's not the most important thing to judge a pitcher by. But then his sophomore season, he had a 3.81 ERA, which today we'd say is pretty good, but it was 6% below league average. But then in 85 and 86... He absolutely took off and was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He had a 2.86 ERA, uh, adjusted ERA, 24% above league average, and a win-loss record of 31 and uh, 12. And in those seasons, he averaged 237 innings pitched and was striking out a decent number of people for the uh, for the time. He was averaging, uh, what was it? Almost seven strikeouts uh, per nine, which at that time was, those are good, those are good numbers. But then, 
I, I guess he had a good 1988 season, but outside of that, he just kind of was downhill. And, yeah, um, he was a big I, prospect. He was a big prospect, and in 86, he started game one of the World Series, too, and he pitched wonderfully, but Tim Tuffle let a ball go through his legs, and then we left, and we asked hookers for directions home. Last but not least, he's a lefty from Hawaii. His name is Sid Fernandez, who had one of the most clutch middle-inning relief stints in World Series history. All right, I know for a fact I got something on us. Uh, you got something on El Cid? All right, here you go. So I'm just pulling up old tweets where Sid Fernandez happens to be mentioned, right? Okay. Um, on March 26th of... Uh, this year, uh, I tweeted, Max Scherzer struck out 243 batters without throwing a single wild pitch. Most strikeouts in a single season by a pitcher who did not let one get away. But in 1992, Sid Fernandez had 193. Mm. And at the time, that was the record. He had beat somebody else who we had talked about uh, recently, the 1988 record of 192 by Teddy Higuera. Higuera, yeah, the big lefty from the Brewers. And what's, what's fascinating to me about that is Higuera um, had beaten a record that stood for a long time. Lefty Grove had it since 1932 at 188. But since Fernandez broke it in 1992, it's been broken by Jose Rio, who had 227 and 93, uh, Cliff Lee, who had 238 and 11, and then now, of course, Max Scherzer. Uh, 243 in 2019. Um, but then you also got to go back to uh, Fernandez, who, as you said, one of the most clutch um, Game 7 relief appearances of all time. He had four strikeouts in relief, and that's surpassed only by Walter Johnson and I'm not even going to try to say Dolph Lukey. Dolph uh, Lundgren? No. <laughs> Hey, tell me this. Do you think there's another staff that had two starting pitchers from Hawaii? Because Darling and Fernandez are both Hawaiian. Do you think I, there I, was any others? I don't, I don't want to speculate, but I, I can definitely figure that out. and I'll, I'll answer that for you next time. Yeah, let me know because that to me is really – I have a hard time believing that there is because there's not that many pitchers. Maybe two position players, but we're talking about you know, 40% of the world champion staff is from little old Hawaii. Uh, I got one more for you on Fernandez. Okay. And again, I'm just going through the information that I have. But um, Fernandez on July 30th, 1986. So in that run, he struck out each of the first eight outs that he had had in that game. And I'm Mm. looking now because the reason I had tweeted that at the time was because... um, uh, Jacob deGrom had, had done it, and he did so. He was the first Mets pitcher to do so since Fernandez, and he did so on September 15th, uh, 2014. But I'm looking now to see if uh, Fernandez may have, in fact, had more because you think first eight, well, number nine is probably the pitcher. So let's, let me take a look here. He had 11 strikeouts in the game, and, um, now of course, is not loading. Beautiful. Do you know the best player that ever made their home in Hawaii? Shane Victorino. 
<laughs> Close. Barry Bonds, when he played for the Hawaii Islanders. How awesome would that be? If you're out in Hawaii, some really old dude saw Barry Bonds playing in, I think it was AAA. Yeah, it was AAA back then. All right, here. So I got, I got this for you. Ready? Okay. So the first 10, or excuse me, 11 batters that um, Fernandez faced on that date. Um, the first 11 outs, rather, were strikeout, 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 fly ball, strikeout. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> impressive. But he, he gave up a couple of runs in there, too, though. It's, it's weird because when you look at those huge strikeout games and um, that low number of innings, because he, he had 11 over five Walks. innings in that one. Yeah. But th- these guys are getting hurt by other things. Long ball and, you know, a couple hits here and there, a couple walks. Uh, but it's still incredible to me to have struck out 10 of the first 11 outs in a game. That, that's ridiculous. I don't even remember that. I just don't even remember that. Well, you're probably too pissed off because the Mets were down four to one. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They were down four to one. That was that uh, game set. My God, that's impressive. Okay, so I want to I want to get to something else that really wasn't on the docket. I wanted to surprise you with it because somebody that you quoted in your Twitter handle asked, "What sponsor do you want on your MLB jersey?" And now listen. There, there's things I care about and things I don't care about. I could not give a damn less about a sponsor on a jersey. Okay? I'm fine with it. As a matter of fact... If it brings us baseball, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Change the name of your team, you know, to whatever corporation wants to sponsor. Go ahead and do it. I can't believe the outrage or the fake outrage that people get when it comes to putting sponsorships on shirts. Like, so who cares? Do you think- Can I? Let me just tell you something real quick. Back in the olden days... The 50s and 60s, all you and probably the 40s too. If you look at the old pictures of the outfield, all it was was outfield advertisements, up and down, up and down, all the whole walls on top of the walls. Well, in the I think it was the 70s and definitely through the 80s and even in through the 90s, that was considered tacky. So you didn't see that anymore. And I remember there was a little bit. People got a little bit upset once they start putting the ads back on the outfield. People just love to get upset about anything. I can't handle people freaking out about a patch on a jersey, Spader. So what I'm hearing is that um, Holden Kushner wants to change the name of the New York Yankees to the Amazon Dildos. I'm great with that. One of their number one (laughs) products. Is it really? Throughout all of this, yeah. I didn't know that. Hmm. Makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> who would spot? Who would sponsor your jersey, buddy? Who's on it? I so what I said in response to um, it was a tweet from Vince Quinn, who's with uh, WIP. Um, uh, he said, "What sponsor would you want on the Phillies uniforms?" And I said, "Gritty." <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Flyers mascot? Yeah, I just dude, think that would so be awesome. so weird. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I came up with mine, which is going to make me some money because Pornhub always offers tons of money to like sponsor things. They want to sponsor stadiums. Why not sponsor your hometown team? I I would be open for that. Uh, I'm a loyal customer. I think their product is terrific. (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't spend money on it, but it's good for awareness. um, You you know what would um, be a good sponsor? No, I lost it. I don't. I, you don't know who the sponsor would be. I have no idea. 
silence. Yeah, I was just going to stay as silent as I could for as long to see when you would break it. That actually only took you like two seconds. So good job out of that, buddy. Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning from, uh, you know, my, my, what, 23-year veteran radio pal here. And then from also occasionally here, uh, hearing one of your former coworkers, Chris Russell, who just... Mm-hmm at times lets the silence go on for like five, six, seven, eight seconds. And it's, well, so you know, it takes a lot of energy to it's talk. So uncomfortable. <laughs> it takes a lot of energy to talk. Sometimes, you know, some people get winded a lot easier than others. Uh, My mean, sense is that he's turning the mic off and trying to recover from all the energy he put out by talking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I gotta, I, I like the man. I gotta give him some credit. Good guy. <laughs> Good guy that nobody knows who we're talking about that you always decide to <laughs> drop on here. Hey, I think that's really it baseball-wise, right? It's just the situation is going to be fluid. If you want to keep up with every single tweet and that's, that a reporter comes out with, go ahead, you'll drive yourself crazy just like I have. I won't take my own advice. I'm just, I get so sucked up into it. You think it's going to happen this weekend? Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me, but I think now we're pushing it back to... Gosh, if we go Friday. I if we have an agreement late Sunday night or Monday, that's where I'll go with. I think that's what you went with too, right? So I, what I think, yeah, I said uh, Monday night, but I think um, what owners are trying to do at this point, honestly, is wait them out because if the players don't want to play past a certain date. You can only logically get in so many games. So I, I think that's also a tactic that's happening right now. Yeah, and I just think the pressure's on MLB to just get this done now. Like, if Manfred gave a proposal and thought it was done, right, and he went back to the owners, they're ready to get back to work too then. Well, no, an absolute disaster scenario is where Manfred tries to implement a season and um, eight or more owners say, fuck off. Because then Manfred is, I mean, he might as well be fired, and it's not happening. Because they, you have to have at least, uh, I believe it's at least 23 of them agree to play the season. Didn't they just sign like a billion-dollar deal for postseason broadcast rights, too? And wasn't it with TBS? They're getting multi-billion dollar deals for their playoffs. Manfred's making those guys money, you know, and he's doing what they want, they want him to do right now. So I, I know Manfred seems a bit incompetent here because he has been incompetent. You, know, you, you can't leak that we have an agreement and then the other side's like, no, we didn't. You said it. You talked to a player and the player had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. So Manfred is sitting here going, oh, we got an agreement and telling everybody. And, and he told John Heyman because Heyman, Heyman has Boris and he also has Manfred or Manfred's assistant leaking to him so anything you read from from Heyman is either boris and something from manfred okay just so you know that's the way it goes and john Heyman never came back on our show because called him um scott boris's lackey uh he was not happy about that and the john hyman thing but i didn't hold call on. him that hold on wait, wait, wait. you did this when you were years radio, ago or? years ago on radio yes <clears throat> years ago I hear- so was this when we were with uh, 106.7? Yes. I've heard him on the station a few times. Oh, he came back? Uh, yeah. Uh, and um, uh, several times. I, I think I've heard him on 
the junkies and I think I heard him on. A Pretty sure he called our old boss and like bitched about it. It was oh, mostly yeah. my ex co hosts fault, but you know, there were some the, things that happened oh, there that happened. The, the same one who, uh, yeah, the Washington post guy. Right. <laughs> Try- <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, you'll hear Heyman given that he'll give that side of things. And then, you know, there's other times uh, passing probably gets it from everywhere. I would think so, that passing gets it from everywhere. Whoever wants to give him stuff, MLB side. Um, so everybody's got their sources. And I find this one was really interesting because Heyman came out and said they were close to an agreement. That's obviously from the owner's side. And Tony Clark's like, no. So now Manfred flies out to visit with Clark. These two guys have a long meeting and neither one of them had the same story to tell from it. Can you imagine that? Like, you and I are doing the show. After we get off the show, you're like, oh, that was the best show ever. That was great. And I'm looking at it going, no, that was the worst show ever. That's how these two guys are doing it. And a baseball season is on the line, Spader. Uh, uh, you're right. That's all we do is we go, ugh, because we can't even do it anymore. How about this? Let's hope we come back this weekend and we have a baseball season, okay? Yeah, and um, we also uh, need people to uh, give us our five-star ratings. Mm-hmm which would be really nice. Mm -hmm. We have some uh, pretty solid guests lined up for the future. I I guess I don't really care. We can talk about it, right? Yeah, sure. McCullers Jr. is going to come on. Lance. Uh, We have... uh, Was he ever a co-worker of yours? Grant? Grant was a co-worker of mine. Yeah, Yeah, two different places. MLB Network and uh, and 106, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Grant Paulson is going to join us as well. Uh, working on lining up a couple others, um, and then uh, I, I really I, I think we have to have uh, Brett Boone back. Okay, because that was th- that was so good, and he's actually um, hit me up, and you know he's interested in coming back on. So. Oh, and Lisa Ann's still doing her audio book, so we can't do it yet. Actually, she today she said she was taping. Um, We're bringing it full circle. Right Nailing Palin. Right, right back to the 68 and the Yeah, hub do you ever remember <laughs> Nailing Palin? I, I do recall Like, that. it was a sensation. Like, everybody was talking about the porn parody of Sarah Palin. And that's yeah. how Lisa Ann just, just busted her nuts Sky, in the business. Skyrocketed. Yeah. Uh, I, if I recall correctly, I think one of, the, like, Brazzers or something tried to offer um, Sarah Palin five million dollars to do <laughs> to, to do a porno yes and they always say no there what stadium was it that i think it was here it might have been here in denver i think it was sports authority field at one time they lost their sponsor and they went with some finance company but Pornhub came in and said we'll do it and then they they know that the stadium that there's no way they're gonna own the stadium rights but it's great publicity for them Oh man, that's so it's funny. Per- you know what even yeah. is even funnier than hmm. all of that is, like, from a logical human being's perspective, more people are using Pornhub than they're using Coors or Capital One or Citizens Bank. Correct. <laughs> it is the most popular product in the world. That's awful. <laughs> There's no website that gets more hits than them, is there? No. I, 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 I don't know. I can't believe that's where we brought this, though. <laughs> well, I mean, we were talking about guests we were going to have on. Lisa Ann likes baseball. You know, yeah. she's a good lady. I, I, she studies I, I, up. I, I, she's very she's very thorough with this, and that's the one thing. Like, sure, she does crazy things on film, but she takes this seriously, the baseball seriously. 
That's, well, that, that's good. And uh, I just, as I told you, yeah, we definitely uh, should ask her to come on because um, I just found out recently she she follows me. And uh, yeah, because she followed as, me, and I said, a, "Follow my boy." As a as a power move, you know, I don't follow her back. <laughs> you really? I didn't when I was married. <laughs> I followed her back this time. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm surprised Pornhub is not even listed here. Like. Google, YouTube, and uh, Alibaba, and that's what about it. That's I don't believe it, man. Because I'll t- I might have like broken a record here during this quarantine. They got at least oh, six man. trillion views from me. I don't know how much more views they can get. You poor, poor man. Poor bastard. How's Tinder going? <laughs> How's Tinder going? I just had a twenty-six-year-old hit me up. <laughs> And then the date I went out with the other night, the Russian girl, she threw up and she threw up because she got too drunk and I didn't even bother with her. Oh, man. That's awful. Bad scene, dude. Bad scene. Uh, She was just she was like wasted when she showed up and she's slurring. And then she got a beer and I was just drinking my water. And all of a sudden she puked. And I was she's like, "Uh, do I help this girl or do I leave? I just bolted. I just left and then unmatched. Wait, you puked on the, like, were you at a bar? Yeah, we were outside. They opened some bars here. And she puked at a It was a restaurant. And they had the outdoor seating. Huh? (laughs) They had outdoor seating. So we sat outdoors. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun one. This should be easy. But then Uh, by the time she was done with her first beer, she just hurled everywhere. And I was like, are you okay? And then she said, yeah. And then she went to the bathroom and I just left. I was, I'm not sticking around here. But why? That's that's disgusting. It's really funny. Um, There. So I just want to point out. And she had a Russian accent too, by the way. She (laughs) goes, I am feeling very, very nauseous. (laughs) It's too much to believe, man. My, my, uh. One of my one of my favorite uh, jokes is it, it stems from Russia, right? The Russian says, "In America, you have the right to bear arms. In Russia, we have right to hold bear." Yes, very good. <laughs> we got a Dolph Lundgren who wasn't even from Russia, but who plays a, a nasty Russian, and now we had this. Now, this is this right here is the reason that um, uh, Blue Wire wanted us to change our name from the best baseball. <laughs> Because we just talked 15 minutes about porn and Russia. <laughs> yeah, well, they were walk off. You walk off from the pod. You're done. We're done. I'm getting out of here, brosif. Uh, that was fun. We always have fun doing this show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Follow Spader on Twitter at the Ace of Spader, S-P-A-E-D-E-R. Follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio. Thanks for listening to The Walk-Off.